0: Hey guys, this is Chargers running back Joshua Kelly, and you're listening to the Charged Up Bolts Podcast. Much love. Aight.
1: Here's what's coming up this week on the Charged Up Bolts Podcast. Remember when Mike McCoy was was our head coach? A
2: lot of soft tissue stuff.
1: I'm not your mate, I'm your boss. Don't squat like that. Bantelimon.
3: As long as he's got his skittles.
1: Delicioso. What the hell are you talking about? Hello and welcome to the Charged Up Bolts podcast. I'm your host Elliot Bermudez, and on this podcast we're going to bring you the latest Chargers news. We're going to review and preview every Chargers game this season, and we're going to bring you some of the hottest takes around. I'm joined by three fantastic co-hosts. First up, he gets his elation from hydration. John was Junior.
0: Good evening.
1: <laughs> evening mate. You okay. Uh,
0: second. Second. Okay, looking tan there from your trip to Espana
1: mate i'm buzzing you know i mean I'm, I'm in boris lockdown for 14 days but it was worth it for some sangria <laughs> uh, second up he loves his coffee and has a voice as smooth as toffee john Ayers. Buenas tardes everybody good to be back here recording with you guys we're grateful to have your lovely voice back again um he's probably broken his bed because he's just got wed Dan king
3: uh, hey guys good to be with you again <laughs>
1: I apologise for those guys, but I couldn't resist, especially yours, Dan. <laughs> so come on, after two weeks, what are we drinking?
0: <laughs> Water. <laughs> I have had. A, I, to, be, to be fair, I had a couple of beers tonight watching the Champions League game, and I had one called Bunny Hop. <laughs> it was awful. Uh, an Indian Pale Ale. Uh, yeah, it wasn't
2: good. Unbelievable. So you're drinking the. Le- you were drinking the Leon of uh, of beers, so eh?
0: Yeah, so India Bunny is
2: listening,
1: you know. (laughs) That's a that's a potential sponsor out the window there. Come on, we're scraping the barrel here.
2: John, what you want? Uh, So today, I have a wonderful cold glass of locally sourced milk from Dospinos here. Just a little, I'm just drinking some milk, and there's a story behind that. I know I usually drink coffee or something else usually just coffee actually but um i just finished my uh semester uh for my master's program and i and i aced it with uh straight a so pretty excited about that Woo! thanks guys um so my wife made me a chocolate it's chocolate chip bunk cake with cream cheese frosting so i uh, i had a little bit of that as a snack slash lunch because they didn't eat lunch uh so i needed some milk for that because it was it was rich it was uh it was hashtag Regular chocolate. <laughs> to be perfectly honest with you, I was
1: I was in Spain and it was forty <laughs> degrees, and the only thing we could drink in the middle of the night to keep cool was ice cold milk. So I'm I'm with you there.
3: I've um gone for the the very classy black Champagne. cherry white Champagne. claw white claw. It's um hard seltzer, which kind of it tastes like water black with water. the ghost of cherry.
1: Oh uh, well, I uh in in homage to. Uh, having been to, to spain and ha- the fact that i'm missing it in the now i'm in the dreary quarantined reign of bolton i'm on fanta
2: delicious, <laughs> which is like the most
1: <laughs> the most essential drink when i go abroad and then i crave it and it's it's now in my local co-op so you know cheers for devaluing my precious holiday drink um guys what's happened it's been two weeks you know you, i've kept you all waiting and uh, we've had no episodes um lots have happened in that time training camp started Hard Knocks, which we'll come on to, has kicked off. Um, I'm sure we've got a lot to talk about there. But um, I think the biggest news in the last two weeks is uh, Melvin Ingram. What's he doing? Holding out? Taking a breather? Wanting more money? What do, what's your thoughts?
0: Well, I thought, you know, is this a story for Hard Knocks? But what has anybody got to benefit by Melvin being sat just basically on the sidelines? Um, although it's good to see that he's, he's trying to encourage some of the uh, rookies uh, and, and his fellow uh, defence players uh, group, but uh, I'm not sure. Is it due to the fact that Joey's got a big payout? Who knows? Who knows? It's a strange one. But I think the uh, the coaching staff, the front office, are staying mute, so uh, I think this is going to be something to keep an eye on over the next two or three weeks.
2: Well, I think the... Uh, uh now I don't know who termed this and I got to get better at writing these things down when I see them online. But I think the proper term is now a hold in because you're no longer with the new CBA. You're no longer really allowed to hold out um, just because the fines of like $50,000 a day are now mandatory. So teams can't do the whole like, Oh, we're finding you. But if you come back to work, we're not going to find you after all. They can't do that. They have to be fined. So the, the players now have to show up. Um, so he showed up, but he's, you know, and he's in team meetings from all reports. He's in team meetings. He's participating verbally. Um, and you even saw him on, uh, on hard knocks there going through some of the walkthroughs, but once uh, helmets got put on and, and pads are coming on, he's, uh, excusing himself from the more physical activities, uh, to avoid injury. It sounds like, and, you know, I guess I can't blame him, you know, I mean, as a player every year, there's a new CBA. When, when you go through it with a fine tooth comb, it becomes more and more obvious how good of negotiators the owners are, and how bad of negotiators the players are. It is just, I mean, you know, we were talking offline before here about baseball, American baseball, and they have got a great union. They have, I mean, they've got unlimited contracts, and they have like, I mean, they they're regularly getting these ten year deals for guys. I mean, guys who are over the hill, like Albert Pujols, who I know. Unfortunately, too much about a bad contract. Um, He's I think 60 now, playing, still playing on his contract. Anyways, uh, getting 20 million a year, but they they do it right. (laughs) NFL players, they do it wrong, and uh, you know they they generally every time they come out of it, the owners have figured out how to take away as much leverage from their negotiations as possible. So, you know, I can't blame him. None of his money this year is guaranteed, which is fine. I mean, that's just how his contract was set up because Telesco's smart, and he guarantees everything up front, and he makes everything on the back end not guaranteed so that he can dump you if you suck. Good job, Telesco. Yeah, definitely. But, uh, you know, with the risk of the season, you know – you know, when final cuts are done, players can no longer toll their uh, their contracts over. So, you know, whatever they play is what they get pro rated. So if they only play three games, that's all he's getting of his contract of his fourteen million and now he's on the market for whatever he can get at thirty one years old. So I get he wanting some security. I can also see him maybe making a play to try to get maybe some guarant some of those Telesco guarantees up front and getting paid right now a signing bonus so that he that, so that way he's covered in case the you know, the season does end early. He's still got, you know few million banks for the rest of the year. So, you know, again, he's in a position that I think eventually he's going to need to play. He's been good. I mean, he has been good the last few years, but he hasn't been great. And I think if he wants to get another big payday at his age, I think he has to put up a really good season this season, and he can't do that if he's holding in. So, I don't I don't make much of it. I think either they'll come to an agreement or it'll get to the point where they say, "Look, Melvin, we're not going to negotiate next year at this point. So either play or don't. And then at that point, he's going to have to decide to play because he can't not play for a whole season at this age because he's got only a few left in him. So that's just my perspective on it.
3: Yeah. I mean, for, for me, I've spent a lot of time uh, over the cap.com in the past few days, uh, looking at stuff about Bosa and Ingram and the rest of the Chargers players. And I was interested to see that Ingram is our biggest cap hit this year. Um, if, we don't cut him. I mean, if we cut him, there's 14 million in dead money, so it's still the biggest cap hit. But um, I was quite surprised to see that he was the number one. Now I know he signed his big contract what four, or five years ago now, and this is his final year. Um, but even then, they rank him as they rank his contract as the 14th best contract for an edge rusher. And I just don't know that he's the 14th best or in the top 14. He's good, as you've said, but I don't think he's Maybe as good as some people put him. Um, obviously, I love having him there opposite Bosa, but yeah, I don't know if if he were to be the standout guy, I don't think he would be in the top fifteen.
1: Do we do we think that if he does hold in or for, the, for and refuses to hit the field, Noosu can step in?
3: See, that was that was the names I'd written down. Was um if. If he doesn't play or we look to trade him, um, who who plays in his place? I mean, we've only really got Noisu and Isaac
1: Rochelle.
2: Who is very good friends with Joey Bosa. But
1: have I read that they're also trying to put Tillery on the end as well?
2: I mean, I think they're trying to put him anywhere I'm trying they're trying to put him anywhere where he might actually be good. So I mean whatever. He might he might play free safety, who knows? Um, but uh uh, I think this what this does too. Besides Nwosu getting a chance, who I'll be honest with you, I've seen. I went back to try to find you know some film, which there's not a lot of of him playing on the edge, and it, it was not inspiring. Again, he he was he was kind of kind of raw, you know, athletic wonder coming out of USC. So you know when we draft him, I think in the knew they needed to kind of help with his technique. But I mean, I just didn't see a lot of. I I didn't see a lot from him from an edge rushing standpoint, you know, a guy that I'm going to keep my eye on now though, is Gaziano. I think we talked about him uh, in a previous episode. I think, you know, undrafted free agent uh, coming out of, was it Northwestern? Um, And uh, you know, setting all kinds of school records, again, not a major conference, not against, you know, any kind of offensive lineman that is going to, he's going to see in the NFL. I mean, Oh, I, I don't know. He's playing, he's playing opposite Tevi. So maybe he, he's seen some guys that are that bad, but um, um, you know, I, I think he could have a chance now, you know, depending on how many reps he gets with the first team and what N- Nwosu does, you know, to maybe step up, make the team because, you know, they're going to look at that as a position that really needs to add some depth. So this could be an opportunity.
1: I think it is an opportunity. We always like to see our undrafted uh, rookies or, or lower drafted uh, players make the roster. Um, to be perfectly honest with, with with Melvin, I don't think that he's going to not play. I think this is more very sensible decision to put his body, rest his body. We've already lost four preseason games. He's in the class, as you mentioned, listening to to to, to what he needs to do. He's done it before. Just learning some new defensive schemes, perhaps some new twists. Does he really need to get out there as a veteran and put his body at risk in this shortened final season? I don't think so. I think he's going to hold back, come fresh into the season and hit the ground running. He'll play. Maybe if we aren't going to get towards the playoffs, he's the kind of player that would, you know, oh, I've got this injury that holds me out or he holds out towards the end end of the year just to get a contract. But I don't think this is as big as, as everyone's making out and I think he's going to play.
0: I think you, you, that's a good point, Bez. Um, does he need to be you know, putting himself at risk? He, he knows how to play the game. He's a threat, his spin move. you know, We see the offensive line trying to double team him to prevent him from making that breach. You look at his productivity, um, it went up in 2019 from the previous year. Um, and, and when he's lined up a, a, a opposite Bosa, it just gives the offense. And the back something else to think about. And um, Maybe this is mind games. Maybe this is uh, a preset that they said, look, we don't need you out there for the first couple of weeks. We, we don't know. I mean, does anybody actually know how he came into training camp? What sort of form he was in? What sort of fitness? All I knew is he you drove know. in in a great car. <laughs> that was about it.
1: <laughs> no, I, I, I think we need to stop worrying. And, and I think... You know, even I don't want to say this, I'm going to say out loud. I'm sorry, brace yourself. I always have ACL watch when it comes to Chargers training camp. Um, to be you know, if he gets out there and rips his ACL, it's a different story. So let's let you know, there's no the, 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 the NFL's in a new world, we aren't having four preseason games and big training sessions. People are going to come into the season, I think, a little more healthy. But a little bit on the field, a little more raw in terms of the playbook and the way they play. And I think it's a benefit having a veteran like Ingram coming out, knowing what he's doing, coming up against the Bengals' crap line and a, and a rookie quarterback. Uh, I think we've got nothing to worry about. And if let's say worst case scenario he doesn't play, I'm quite confident that that Nuosu can can step up because I'm a big fan of him.
3: One thing to take into account is the the whole um... The issue with the pandemic and the fact that we've we've spoken about how, or they spoke about at least in Hard Knocks as well about being the most responsible team, um, is this just Ingram being as responsible as he can be for
1: himself?
2: I think I, mean, so. I, th- I think that's a great. I think take, it's a then. great take. I mean, look at what happened uh, in Dallas with Gerald McCoy um, rupturing um, uh, rupturing his leg, and you know he's done for the season. You know, and it's actually quite a few. Um, you know, I know you said, oh, maybe they might be coming in healthy, uh, because there's no preseason games. It's actually so so far early on, it's actually kind of been the opposite. A lot of injuries, a lot of soft tissue stuff, guys, maybe not ready to make those cuts starting to cut, you know, maybe they, maybe because maybe they're not training as hard because there's no preseason games. So now they're getting into pads and all of a sudden, you know, you see these hamstring issues, Miles Sanders, uh, day to day with some hamstring, AJ Green just came back from a horrific injury missing all of last season he's already down with some hamstring injuries i mean there's a lot of injuries kind of coming out so i just you know and
0: don't forget don't forget as well there's been a lot of um unsupervised training you know so Good point players Good point. across all the all the 32 teams are at home working in isolation yeah when you haven't got anybody over your shoulder going don't squat like that or don't you know don't flex yep. like that you know
1: well, let's take that, actually, and roll straight to the fact that Hard Knocks has rolled out, and finally we get to see our team. It isn't the usual format, and I think maybe I'm a little disappointed that we don't get to see the 92 coming down, uh, getting cut, and, and the, the pre-season games. But actually, it's a unique year, and we get to be chosen. The Rams are barely on it, so let's pretend they don't exist. But it's it's our show, and what we saw from episode one was just how focused the show was on COVID and the, and the the way the team is responding to it and the way it changes the way that they're preparing for the season. So I want to throw out a question that's rolled naturally from what we've been talking about already is, you know, how will COVID and the changes to preseason change the NFL? Do you think, guys, that, that the performances will be worse? People will be more rusty? Do you think veterans will be How do you think it's going to impact teams? And how do you think seeing the charges on Hard Knocks, how do you reckon they're set up for, uh, for the season ahead?
0: I think we're, we're set up to follow the protocol and that's the key thing. We're all going through this in our own workspaces and a lot of people are losing their minds. And a lot of things that are in practice is just there to make people safe because at the end of the day it's a, it's a virus. Nobody really knows how it behaves. But I suppose if you follow the protocols, you, you do what's asked of you and you, you're not
2: stupid well, I think, uh, you know, I'm going to allude to an article I wrote and it's posted on ChargedUpBolts.com um, where I look at um, some of the footage on um, uh, on the leadership abilities of, you know, McVeigh and uh, Anthony Lynn. And one of the points that I point out there is leading by example. And if you really look at the way the two are kind of, you know, shown, and Anthony Lynn, maybe it's different for him because as he announced in the first episode, you know, he had covid and he was infected, and he got through it. So maybe it's different for him because he got it, it's more real. But I mean, Lynn is seems to be very much so enforcing the protocols. He himself is, fo- is following the protocols. They're doing everything they can. I mean, you know, one example, as opposed to the Rams, who the Rams, you know, they have protocols in place. They built some special circus tent for them to go, you know, do whatever Ramsey things they want to do over there. Um, (laughs) But they're not exactly following protocols. The majority of them have masks around their necks, not around their faces. McVeigh rarely, if ever, has a mask around his face. You know, one one big contrast I want to point out is in, you know, the first episode, you've got the, uh, you know, I forget, one of the position coaches is having a meeting with his group, and he's like, hey, nobody in the first one or two rows, right? I don't know, you know, we don't know exactly how far this thing spreads, so you stay out of the first couple rows, I'm going to try to wear my mask, you wear your mask, let's be safe. You know, in the very next scene, uh, Sean McVeigh's talking to his team about protocols. His mask is around his chin. He's got people in, the, in every row right in front of him. Maybe they're one chair away from each other, but they're right in front of him. And he's yelling at them about, you know, hey, we need to follow protocol and be safe. And, you know, what you doing here? And it needs to be out there, blah, blah, blah. It's like, I'm sorry. You're not really inspiring confidence. And you can see it on the field. Like, yeah, not every single Chargers player is wearing a mask at all times on the field. Okay, that's fine. It's gonna happen. Some guys have differing opinions on wearing the mask. That's their own prerogative. But the far majority of shots with the Chargers players, they're all wearing masks. Why? Because Lynn is right next to well, not next to them, but when it, Lynn is on the same field as them wearing a mask, too, reminding them, hey, stay far apart. Hey, guys, you know, you don't have to stretch in the middle of the field between the white lines. Use the entire field. Stretch out. You know, McVeigh does not wear a mask at all. And guess what? None of his players are wearing a mask.
0: So. I mean, one of the big takeaways from that as well is don't wear your shades around Coach Lynn because he'll <laughs> take <hate> them. <laughs> yes. yes, that was the,
1: well, but, but doesn't it just show the relationship he has with his yeah. players yes, and the difference? Brilliant. Like, he's their mate. He's a leader of men. I don't know if you remember... Um, oh, my God. Remember when Mike McCoy was, was our head coach? He uh, used to see... Who? The, uh
2: Who yeah. Who's that? <laughs> I'm sorry
1: to remind you guys. But I just remember then, there's this is this way... And The NFL tries different ways to succeed and you've got the Gruden McVeigh, I think John you were saying that he, his voice sounds exactly the same to you but you've got this this way of of coaching which is a i'm here to be your teacher as if you're in school and i'm going to shout at you when you do something wrong and uh you know i'm not your mate i'm your boss and then you've got Anthony Lynn on the opposite side who is someone can you imagine working for him? I don't care what job I went into. If he was my boss, you'd respect him. You'd work from him. You'd give him the. You'd go the extra mile for him, and and I love that. I think it's such a such a contrast to the Mike McCoy years, and um, yeah, loving it.
3: Yeah, and I agree. Um, you see Lynch, uh, Lynch, Lynn, Um yeah, There's me mixing the words Lynn and Coach
1: Sorry, signing signing Ma- Marshall. <laughs> and- yeah, Marshall and Lynch. You see?
3: As long as he's got his skittles. <laughs> um, No, so Coach Lin um, He he always comes across as very personable And very down to earth um, Very aware Of the world And the situation that we're in um, To the point that you get him talking about It's not just the players who have to be responsible It's their families That have to be responsible as well And then to John's point You get McVeigh in a huddle In the middle of his guys Looking up at them all, shouting And it's just like, what are you doing? This, like, let alone just showing off that you can throw a ball to your dog.
1: Oh, my God. Did I tell you what, though? His wife and his view out of his house. You oh know. Uh, just one second. Hannah, if you're listening, turn this off. Yeah, I'd take both. <laughs> Hannah, you can listen again. Um, in a direct comparison, you'd you take... Uh, everyone sort of raves about McVeigh as, the, as the, the this young lad coming in, and isn't he great? And I think Anthony Lynn is the kind of coach we, we've been crying out for and... and I, I, I think we should see him through for a number of years and, and see his project grow because he's going to get people going the Yeah, he
3: reminds me a lot of, say, the, the people, other coaches in the league, like Ron Rivera, who just have that air of respect around them. That yeah. you just, you know, exactly, yeah, you know you would, you will play for them. You will do whatever they want to get it right. One thing um to take into account as well is... The, the camaraderie that there is in, with some of these players as well definitely played into Bosa signing. He um he did an interview on what well, I I don't like to publicise another podcast, but the Mike and Ike show, mm. which is um, Money Badger and Isaac Rochelle. Um, they did a, a good like hour-long sit-down with Joey Bosa, um, just talking about how he felt when he got that call that it was all done and how good he felt to be able to come back and to be with those guys again, and to be in that atmosphere. And you could just really, like, th- there may be an air of bias around it because it's two Chargers players interviewing a Chargers player, but it seemed
1: genuine. Lin's a, player, a coach you want to play for. Um, one guy who isn't going to get the opportunity is Andrew Volert. Is that how you say it? I think it is. Um, And he got cut on episode one and it was a bit brutal and I kind of liked his his, his stuff because he he was livid. How dare you? Really? I know I can. I love that. Um, But he got cut. He's been signed by the Panthers. Um, Have you have any of you guys, do you guys respect that? Walking in and going... What the hell are you talking about? Or do you think you should have taken it a bit more respect?
2: You know, I think I think it's important that we understand the backstory to Vollard. I don't know if you guys remember, but he's a rookie last year, um, undrafted, came into camp, um, you know, worked hard. There were some good reports, and then pretty early on in camp, you know, tore up his leg, and you know, had to have season-ending surgery. So, you know, the team basically said, "Look, you know, we, we want, you know, we brought you in." Last year for a reason. We want to bring you in this year. You know, get healthy, get your body right, come back. And he did that. And I'm sure, you know, you know, and and I know we see it all the time, guys hurting themselves and then rehabbing and coming back and getting a shot. But it's a lot different if you're the star player and you're getting to use the team facilities, and you and you know, you don't need to make any money um, because you've already got a contract and all that stuff. He was undrafted, you know, rookie. That means that his contract was not guaranteed. And if he got any money from them at all, I'm sure it was pennies on the dollar. You know, so he, he sat there and he worked his butt off to get to rehab and get back into shape and, you know, be in great condition to compete. And, you know, before he even, even gets a chance to compete, you know, he's told that he's cut, you know, so, I mean, I get it. Like, I I get where he's coming from, you know, the frustration of working your butt off the entire off season to get, you know, to try to prove yourself and then not even get the opportunity to prove yourself. You know, so, you know, I liked it. I, I'm, I'm glad he had the fire. I'm glad the Panthers picked him up. I think he's, you know, I, I, I haven't really seen any any really film from him, so it's hard for me to say whether he's any good or not. But, you know, he obviously cares about football. He obviously is passionate about it. And, you know, good luck to him. But, you know, I, I can't blame him for his reaction. I think it's, it's completely validated based off what he went through. Well, you got to remember the Panthers have a few coaches from the Chargers that have gone over there. So there's a little bit, I mean... Maybe we maybe we tipped them off on Voler based off the fact that they let us rob them for Trey Turner. So I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, so had to get that with, dig in there.
3: With um with Voler, I I also I, I really appreciated the kind of open honesty that he came into it with because as John mentioned, he's he's been through it the past year. Um, I'm glad he's been picked up, and I'm glad it's by the Panthers. I mean, they've got Ian Smith. Is it Ian Smith? Um, who's Nothing to write home about. Um, and Chris Manhurts behind him. And I think that's about it. They might have a couple of rookies or a couple of undrafted or just free agent guys. But he's got as much chance as anyone. I feel like they're at least, at least the chance to show himself. Which is yeah, yeah. the least he could
2: yeah, yeah. kind of hope yeah. for
3: having gone through that rehab.
2: Yeah, Ian Thomas is who you're looking for there. Uh, Ian Thomas. Um, who who's getting a lot of hype because he had, like, maybe a few good catches. Athletic guy. Couldn't beat out an 80-year-old Greg Olson for, for playing time. And when 88. Olson, and, 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 <laughs> 88, yeah. Anyway, so I just – I don't think – I don't really think they have any standout tight ends. So he might actually be – given the fact that the Chargers have probably four guys who could start a tight end in the league right now. Um, you know, I think he probably ends up in a better spot – with the Panthers so you know good on him good for him I mean you know I hope I hope he proves us wrong you know I always love guys who care and are passionate and I hope he gets out there and he's a very solid you know tight end in the league to be honest though I mean he ain't no Antonio Gates so it's gonna be okay.
1: He ain't no Donald Parnum no, Jr. Oh
2: yeah, Donald Parnum, baby. <laughs> My boy. I think even have Virgil out um, there making some plays too on Hard Knocks. If you saw a few of those clips, so I mean, we got we've got. I mean, Virgil Green, uh, Donald Parnum, Hunter Henry. I mean, those are some solid cats at tight end. I mean, I think he was gonna have a trouble making the team anyways. So I mean, and apparently Gabe Neighbors can play a little bit of tight end. So I mean, they may not have any room at tight end for him. So good for him.
1: Well, so. One other thing, I mean, we've talked about this. Um, I know there's we, we discussed it on another podcast earlier in the uh, season, uh, in the off-season, and there's some articles on com talking about this. So, given Lynn's comments about Tyrod not being the starting quarterback but being being put in the best position to be the starting quarterback, but comparing that to how, how good Justin Herbert seemed to look on Hard Knocks, um, yeah, uh, yeah. The, Ty, Tyrod was in the driver's seat. Do you think? Yeah. going to start, or do we think Herbert is going to be the quarterback by game one or at some point in the season?
0: I, I think Tyrod's going to start. You know, Justin Herbert's uh, passes into that small window really cool, nice to watch. But football's you know actual on on the field against the opposition, pass rush and everything else. It's a different game. t it's there. it's his job to lose. You know, we've written about it on ChargedAtBolts dot um, I mean, you see the video of him on training camp. He's making plays with his legs. Um, he's going to give us a mobility, and he's a safe pair of hands, isn't he? He's not going to force passes. Ball security is one of his uh, strengths, um, unless he as, a, as an absolute nightmare, I, I don't see why we would um change it up let's do what we what the chief did you know alex smith mentored uh uh pat mahomes and i don't see why we can't do that this year with with uh tyrod. i mean i think we said it before if Tyrod has a as a as a good season and the charges have end with a winning season who's to say that tyrod doesn't get a start next year and like Philip Rivers, Herbert has to wait 2 or 3 seasons to, to get his chance.
2: Uh we'd have to win the Super Bowl I think for Herbert not to or Herbert would have to take a big have to be coming along really slowly for that to happen. I don't um I mean right now Turrod's on a very manageable 8 million dollar contract, but one of the reasons you draft a rookie quarterback is to have him on a 3 3 to 4 million dollar a year contract. So if Turrod plays well and we get to the playoffs and Turrod he's not taking 8 million dollars again. I promise you right now. It's going to be double digits. And then, you know, we've got money to spend elsewhere, potentially Melvin Ingram, um, Keenan Allen, Michael Thomas, yeah. uh, sorry, Michael Thomas, sorry, Mike Williams. Um, uh, yeah, Mike Williams. Mike Williams. Uh, we got a lot of money. that needs, I mean, that's just a few. So I, I don't know if I see Terod playing more than just this season for us. I just don't, I just don't, I don't think it happens. Um, but I can see, I, I love the Alex Smith comp. I think that's a great position for Terod to be in if he performs here. I could see plenty of teams giving him a nice veteran contract to come play for them, just like Alex Smith got going out to play for the Washington football team. I mean, hopefully, not the same result because this gruesome. And mad props to Smith, who's back in pads training now. That's amazing. Um, but uh, great. It's amazing. Good for him. I'm rooting for him. Um, but um, I, I, I think Tarod, I, I do think Tarod starts the whole season. And yeah, look, a lot of people throw a great ball. Okay. And, th- and those were great. His, his, his motion looks clean. His footwork was pretty on point. So I, w- I was pretty impressed with what I saw in the throwing drills. But again, those are throwing drills. You know, those are not playing quarterback in the NFL, which is completely different. It's a little, it's a lot more nuanced, you know, something from that first episode that you saw was, you know, Lynn kind of telling, Uh, him, Hey, you know, watch those progressions, watch those reads. Don't let the defense fool you, you know? So those are things he's going to have to learn. I mean, he's not going to be ready for a little while in episode two, you see him struggling, uh, doing snap counts, you know, Lynn has to pull him aside and say, Hey, look, man, you're tipping the defense. You know, you're much more aggressive when it's a run play and you're much less aggressive when you're, when you're calling out, um, you know, the pass plays, the defense knows what's coming, you know, that you're going to get killed. You know, and, you know, so in the very next scene, what do you see? Tarot out there, like a pro, doing it perfectly. And, you know, Brian Bulaga sitting there coaching Herbert, saying, hey, see how he does it? It's the same thing every time. In rhythm, no change. Defense has no idea how to decide what to do. You know, oh, do you see the gap? You see the timing that he has? That's allowing us as offensive linemen to understand, you know, okay, we hear the call. We know what we're supposed to do. We're going to be ready, you know. Those are very, very nuanced things of the position that Herbert's just not going to be ready for, especially since he's been playing in shotgun almost entire life uh, at Oregon. So I think that, yeah, he looked amazing throwing the ball and you know my wife got a little too excited watching some of those throwing drills but um you know i i honestly he needs he needs the year he needs that mahome let me learn let me let me get some practice reps in maybe if we're not in playoff contention he gets a few uh starts at the end of the season but i mean given the way this defense looks and, and how we all think this team's going to go, I think this is a playoff team. So I don't think he sniffs a starting role at all. Uh, maybe some garbage time play at some point, you know, maybe later in the season, but that's just my feeling on it. I think Terad's our starting quarterback. I personally am excited. As you all know from my article, I think he's got a great year coming. Uh, I love those legs of his. I mean, he's just moving. Uh, he juked out Derwin James in the first episode. Second episode, James got him. Um, but, Juked him out. I mean, there's a lot to like about having Terod as your QB one. Dan, yeah,
3: I've I've not seen that that um, episode two yet, but we have seen uh, the Chargers posted themselves a video of doe and Mike up at practice, making sure that he let everyone know that he got to Tyrod. Um, so
2: because <laughs> it's, I, it's an accomplishment, excited. yeah, <laughs> it is an accomplishment to get to Tyrod. He's got moves. I mean, he's he's no spring chicken, but that dude can move. He's, he's slippery. Shifty. Shifty, exactly. beautiful, I love that. He's shifty. <laughs>
3: um, he, he's definitely in the driver's <laughs> seat. Um, and uh, I, I think it would take a lot for us to to make the shift to Herbert. Um, unless unless we were in dire circumstances and Lynn was kind of fearing for his job um, and just kind of panic throw him out there. But again, you don't want to throw him out there in the way that, say, Blaine Gabbert was thrown out there for the Jags and completely just... Deer in headlights didn't know what to do, and hasn't been the same since, or has been the same since, just that deer in headlights. Same. Um
1: <laughs> No, I'm not having it. I'm sorry, guys. It's happening. I told you it wouldn't. It's <laughs> happening. I'm doing that thing. I'm like, no, start Justin. Start him. He looks too good. He's the goat already. Um, is this, I got. Is this I got the
0: same p- guy that said that Joe Boser was definitely leaving. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Mate, how about oh, we have a little bit? I love bit? it. I love it. Do you have any do you have any more predictions cuz I love your predictions as long as they, you know, are against my <laughs> <Right>. predictions.
1: <laughs> new new prediction. Justin Herbert is playing by the
2: third game of the season. All right, guys, lock it that is in. That's brilliant. Pound pa- everyone listening here. <laughs> pound the over on games until Justin Herbert starts. Whoever you're betting through, find out how many ga- how many with their over under is on games before he starts and you bet the over cuz it is a lock at this point.
1: <laughs> new podcast idea John Ayers talks coffee and betting <laughs>
2: as, long as, I, as long as I have your um, takes as long as I have your takes to know what to bet against <laughs> I'll, I'm, I'm in <laughs> I'm
1: going to buy some new hats if I'm going to be eating them by game 3 now <laughs> um, but you know Hard Knocks yeah. we're waiting here in the UK for it to be released on Game Pass um, I think it comes out tomorrow on YouTube and then later this week on Game Pass yeah um, but we'll be talking about the uh, the threads, the themes as we go on. Um, next week, we're going to be getting back to our season predictions. We're going to be going, what are we on? Five to eight. Games five to eight next week, um, which is pretty exciting. I've got some notes ready. Yep. I hope you guys have too. Um, guys, where can I find you on the socials?
2: At Enzone85. You can find me at Airs hashtag audible Chocolate. I am live-tweeting all of the um, episodes, so catch that if you want any of my sterling observations during the, uh, during the episodes.
3: And you can find me at UKLA Chargers.
2: I'm at Bez the Spaniard,
1: and you can find the podcast at Charged Up ChargedUpPod. Um, give us a follow, give us a like, send us your questions. We've got some uh, listener questions for next week before we give our predictions. Um, get yours in, and we'll answer it next week. Thank you for listening. Have a great week.
2: Delicioso.